uh, in your giving during this time. Um, and, and, and during this time, as you can imagine, it's been a little different for us uh, offering-wise. Um, the church is fine, and it's actually been a, a, an over and abundant uh, time for us because, you know, I thought, well, let's see what happens. You know, we'll be spaced out. We'll be meeting virtually. Things will be different. However, um, you have been faithful in that, and, uh, and, and, and God has blessed our church. So we're able to do some things like bring you great online live content and uh, do it well. So uh, thank you for your faithfulness and your obedience to God. This morning, unfortunately, we're just going to get, we're we're not going to have the worship team here this morning. We're not going to have all the singing this morning. And um, that's kind of a big deal to me because I I, I love that part. Uh, Worship is part of the heart of of who I am, uh, is singing and worship, but uh, we are just going to forego that for this week. We sort of had to pivot on the fly. So uh, we're going to bring worship back and the, and the song part back into our worship, the singing, uh, probably next week. So um, there's plenty of worship content online for you guys to enjoy. Go back and look at some of our previous uh, Facebook Live services and enjoy the worship team that way this morning. Um, but we're going to get right into the word this morning, and it is odd because I have an audience of three, maybe four or five, uh, scattered throughout the uh, throughout the room. And but I have all of you online, so I want to thank you for tuning in and and bringing this up on your Facebook, and uh, hopefully this message blesses you. But <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna shift from the uncommon series. I do have one more message that I would like to preach someday on that uncommon in that uncommon series, but. It's Thanksgiving week, and we're going to preach a Thanksgiving week, a thankful-type sermon, And uh, because I'm a good Nazarene pastor, and that's what you're supposed to do, right? That's what you're supposed to do. It's Thanksgiving week, so you're supposed to preach a Thanksgiving message. This one might be a little bit different, but uh, I hope you'll get into it with me. It is called Thankful in the Storm, and if you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning... Uh, whether it's your app or or a physical copy of the word, you want to uh, uh, get to those and turn to Mark chapter four, and we'll be getting into uh, Mark four and beginning reading in verse thirty five. <clears throat> but we're going to be talking this morning a little bit about the disciples and a, a storm that came up, and it's a familiar scripture. But at the end of all of this, uh, I want to sort of bring it all home into today's context and and really. Really, sort of make you make you sort of look at what's going on in the world today, how that can be a storm, and then what the response is for the Christian. So, stick in there, and uh, and we will get to that. So, let's go over to uh, Mark chapter four, and we'll begin reading in verse thirty-five. It says this, and, and this is one of the miraculous stories found in the book of Mark. I love the book of Mark. Mark uh, is one of the um, one of the, the the learners, one of the ones, the disciples that sat there at Jesus's feet and sat and walked and talked with Jesus. And um, the book of Mark is very uh, immediate, so everything's right now. Uh, Mark has this sense of urgency about him throughout his book. And if you read the book of Mark, everything's immediately without haste, right now. So he starts off verse thirty-five of chapter four. That day, so that day, like right now, this is this is present time. <clears throat> that day, and e- when evening came, he said to his disciples, "Let us go over to the other side." And then, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Pay special attention to that phrase. There were also other boats with him. 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And then Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. (laughs) We'll get into that, but I just find that kind of funny that Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet. Be still. And in my Bible, there's an exclamation point next to quiet. And I find that 
rather funny because when people say quiet be still it's sort of like when your parents i think tell are telling you to be quiet kids and they don't just say quiet be still it wasn't you know italian jesus with the feathered hair and the blue eyes saying quiet be still peace quiet be still it was an authority it was spoken with authority and spoken with with all heavenly authority and jesus said quiet be still and then the wind died down and it was completely calm and the disciples looking around like what just happened jesus looked at them and the fear in his eyes and said fear in their eyes and said why are you so afraid do you still have no faith they were terrified and asked each other who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him now this is an incredible story and we're going to dive into the different pieces of this story. And we're going to look at a couple of questions this morning that the disciples get the answers to right here on this boat. And these questions, I believe, are at the core of every Christian's heart and even non-believers that are sort of on the fringe checking this Christianity thing out. I really believe that, that these two questions we're going to dig into this morning are at the core of what we, what we are asking important two questions that if you answer these questions this morning that changes everything and the way you answer these two questions will impact everything in your life from the way you live personally to the way you interact with others the way you answer these two questions we're going to talk about this morning they will change everything so what are these two questions well i'm glad you asked The first one is this, is God strong enough to work in my life? That's the first question. Is God strong enough to work in my life? And number two, does God not just care, but does God actively care about me? And I don't mean just answering these questions this morning like like intellectually, right? Like with an intellectual acceptance or an intellectual belief. But I want to talk today, when you answer these questions, I want you to actually believe and answer these questions in the core of who you are. In the core of your being, like having full confidence in knowing. And once you have fully, confidently answered these two questions, then everything else changes. And as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, Jesus' followers, uh, very much what we believe and what we and who we are is our ability as Christians to, to give of ourselves, right? To serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to, to, to be served, but I came to serve. And that's the core of who we are. And, and we, we want to give out to others, right? So in as much as we receive the answers to these questions and that God's power can actively work in us, then we can give our strength away. And when we're confident in God's love for us, then we can give our love away and share his love once we understand his love for us. So these questions, is God strong enough to work in my life? Is God strong enough to work in my life? And, it, and this crazy little story uh, in, that we found in Mark chapter 4, Uh, We find that Jesus is actually sort of like crazy strong. Like, yes, he's strong enough to work in our life. I mean, they've measured in modern times the Sea of Galilee, which is a very real place. But during some storms, the Sea of Galilee, the waves actually measured 10 feet tall during the most furious storms, like the one we're reading about here. So they're like, who is this guy? Can you even imagine just for a moment, being on that boat. And I know some of you guys are like, no, 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 I would not even get on that boat. You know, some rickety wooden boat. I mean, this isn't a, a Carnival Cruise Line. You know, this is a rickety little wooden boat. And, and I'm not going across any sea on some rickety small little boat. We're not just not going to do it. But imagine for a second that if you were on a boat, and we need to key in on a verse in this scripture in verse 36, like I said, that there are other boats 
that were with them when they set out. So it wasn't just their boat. And I want want us to imagine what it might have been like to be on one of those other boats, right? Because Jesus and the disciples, they go out on the boat. And then there are other boats that go along with them. Imagine being sort of like maybe maybe a kid, maybe a teenager on the side of the shore. And you lived on the Sea of Galilee. And one of your friends one day comes up and grabs you by the arm and says, you got to come with us to see this new teacher. You've got to come out. This new rabbi, his name's Jesus. Come on out and see him with him. Gra- he grabs you and you've heard a little bit about him. And you let your friend pull you along. And you go with him to, to his dad's boat. And, and, you know, his dad, living on the Sea of Galilee, his dad was a fisherman. And so then you guys get in the boat, and, and you're chasing this other boat. You're all heading out. And your friend's telling you about this teacher and trying to point him out to you. Yeah, that, that boat over there, that's the one. He's on that boat. That's where he is. That's the guy. He's on that boat over there. Can you see him? Let me tell you about the stuff we heard him say. Come on, that's, that's the boat. And you guys are kind of going out, you know. And then all of a sudden, you see the clouds start to form in the distance. And here comes a storm. And at first, you know, it's a little bit of rain. A little bit of wind, a little bit of rain. You can handle it. You know, you've been out on the sea on a storm before. It's not that big a deal. It really doesn't bother you that much. And especially you look to your friend's dad who's who's been sailing these seas for decades. And, and he's a fisherman. And he looks fully confident. So you're not concerned. The fisherman's at the stern. He's manning the controls of the boat, whatever that looks like. It's not that big of a storm, so we're going to keep going. We're going to keep following this boat. But over the next few minutes, everything changes. And that small rain turns into this churning storm, maybe a thunderstorm. And the rain starts coming down in torrents. You know, this past uh, summer, we were on vacation in, in Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. And, and whenever we're down in Myrtle Beach, we try to go on a fishing trip. So we go out with, uh, you know, the captain who goes out two or three times a day. And storms aren't that big a deal to those people, right? They, they fish, they sail, they're out there every day. It's not a big deal. But this particular day, it was a little cloudy that morning. And we got on this big, I don't know, 90-foot fishing boat. And when I say that the, the people that we were on that boat with were kind of rookies when it comes to being on the seas. But we go out in there, and it's kind of cloudy, and we're like, okay. So we cruise out a little ways, and you got to go out probably about, I don't know, 45 minutes or so before you're, you're even in fishing waters. So we start to get out there, and then the rain starts to come, and we're moving, and so the rain's hitting us a little bit, and we're getting a little bit wet. And then we get out a little further, and then the waves start to get up a little bit. And then as the afternoon starts to progress, or the morning starts to progress, when I tell you these were the worst seas I had ever been on, these were the worst seas I had ever been on. That boat, that 90-foot boat, I mean, it was up one side, down the other side. And at one point, we're looking straight down at the water. The next point, we're looking straight up at the sky. And it was rough. Now, those of us that are okay, you know, we don't need to take anything or we're okay with big waves. You know, we did okay. It was rough standing there, but we're holding on and we're even trying to fish in the middle of all this. <clears throat> so I look over, though, in the, in the, in the inside, of the, in, uh, inside of this boat. And there was a guy inside that boat when this thing started churning and moving. And, st- and this guy was as green as green could be. And this guy was not doing so well. So you can imagine, I could kind of relate when I read this story again about this, uh, this, this wind and this rain and these waves. So we're watching these other people and they're not doing so well on this boat. But the waves pick up, in our story, the waves pick up, and, and they go from a gentle rocking to really, you know, 10 feet up, 10 feet down. And then the water starts to come into your boat. In our scripture, it said that the, the boat started to get swamped. So you can imagine that if the boat the disciples were on, the other boats that went out with them were getting swamped as well. 
And so next thing you know, these waves are coming. You're on this boat, and your buddy's no longer concerned in showing you where that other boat is. Now he's giving you a bucket to start scooping out the water that's now on your boat. And you find yourself fiercely scooping out this water out of your boat, and the guys and, and things are starting to get swamped. And after one particular wave, you might be thrown to the side and you grab on. And things are starting to get a little hairy out there. And then you look to your friend's dad, right? The captain of the boat who's been sailing all these years and just a few moments ago had everything under control. And now the look on his face terrifies you. Now he's getting worried. You see the fear in his eyes. He's a seasoned captain. And in that moment, you begin to kind of lose it, right? You're clinching to the side of the boat. You're screaming, we're going to die, we're going to die! Screaming. And then suddenly, you hear a voice. You hear a voice on your boat. And you go from, we're going to die! To, quiet, be still. And as you look up, suddenly there's some sun. And suddenly, the clouds break up. Where did all the rain go? The waves have all calmed and disappeared. You look to the surface of the sea, and there's a calm like you've never seen. And you look up to find out whose voice that was. And then you look over, and you see a man standing on the stern of a boat with his arms outstretched. Did he just do that? You turn to your buddy. Did that just happen? Did he just do that? And on that boat, you're looking out. The other men, as you see him talking, the other men that are on that boat fall to their knees. And as he turns and talks to them with a smile, you're soaked to the core, all the way down to your bones from the rain, but you don't even feel that at all. And all you're thinking is, did this just happen? Who is that man? And it's as if your friend heard your thoughts and he slaps you on the shoulder and he said, I told you, that's Jesus. Folks, we serve an amazing God. And one of the hardest things for us is to read a story like this and not just make it another religious thing that we intellectually accept but make it a truth and a reality that's actually real. There was a raging thunderstorm, and with three words, he stopped it. Who is this man? And to our question, is God powerful enough to work in your life? Well, with three little words, he was powerful enough to calm a raging storm. And so, yes, to the core of your being this morning, believe, friends, he is powerful enough to work in your life. He is powerful enough to work in your life. Don't just make it another story in the Bible that you read and you gloss over. Jesus has the power to work in your life. Amen? Amen. And I'm so excited to see that even during these times, even during COVID times, and talk about a storm, right? Even during these times, I see the way that God is moving powerfully in our midst, in the midst of the storm. People that we know personally, people that you know, are being saved, are coming to salvation. Can God work in the midst of a storm? You bet your you know, he can. I heard one southern preacher say one time, you bet you're bippy. People that we know, can God work? People that we know are being drawn in by God into a relationship with him. People that, that, that you know, that we know, are, are furthering their walk with Christ. They're getting to know God more in this time despite COVID, despite not meeting in person, despite all of this stuff, despite the raging storm, 
God's word and God's kingdom is still moving forward. Second question we had to ask this morning. Does God actively care about me? And there's something that all of us can relate to, right? Because a lot of us, when we go through our worst storms, we go through the worst storms in our lives, we start asking this question. If we're honest before God and honest with ourselves this morning, we know that when we go through the hardest times, when we go through the biggest storms in our lives, there's something wired in our brain that says, you know what? This is really a t- the terrible moment. The things that happen, the things that happen either to us or around us, we want to ask this question. Does God actively care about me? And you know what I'm talking about in your life when you, when you come, and come across situations where you have just a moment, and it may not, may not be a powerful moment of doubt, but this moment of, God, where are you? Do you, do you see this? God, do you care? Don't you see this storm that's going on in my life, God? Do you care about me? Are you actively sitting on your throne? And do you care actively about me? And when you come to your core asking that question, this is exactly what the disciples were asking when they run to Jesus. If you look in your, in your Bible at verse 38, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care, Jesus, that this storm is happening? God, don't you care? It's a question that we need to answer as Christians in our hearts. Not just intellectually. Not just, well, God is love and that's just what he does. But does God actually, actively care? And this... This, this, this situation the disciples are in, they're going down to Jesus and they're saying, do you even care? Do you, don't you care if we drowned? And I love about, what I love about Jesus, he's always doing more than one thing at once. He's always at least multitasking, doing two things at once. He's not only actively engaging with the disciples live right in front of him, but he's always calling them to remember what they've seen and what they've learned and what they know. And he's calling them many, many times. He calls them back to the Old Testament, to the Word of God. See, the disciples are Jewish men. So they've, they've actually probably memorized the Torah as children. And they know that their Old Testament is, is sacred to them. It's precious. It's hidden in their hearts. It's memorized in their minds. And so they know their Old Testament folks in ways that we could never even imagine. And so he's always making them draw these connections to teach them a deeper meaning about what's going on right in front of them. So that's what he's doing here too. So let's think about it, folks. Think about a time... Maybe in the Old Testament, Bible, Bible school kids, VBS kids, Sunday school kids. Remember a time. Is there something possibly in the Old Testament? Maybe a story where there was a man on a boat and he fell asleep during a raging storm. And then maybe even perhaps the storm was calmed. Are there any parallel stories in the Old Testament? Could there be a story like that? Just maybe where, where there was a violent storm and there was a calming after a particular event. And if you're already putting it in the comments, it's the story of Jonah. And most of you know the story of Jonah. If you remember the story of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1, he, God calls Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh to preach to them, to go to love those people, go care for them, go show them my word. And then Jonah, because in Nineveh, those people weren't Jewish. Those weren't God's chosen people, according to Jonah. And so Jonah's like, why would I ever go speak to those people? And so geographically, Nineveh is this way. Jonah says, I'm going this way. 
And he runs. And then he goes and finds a boat so that he can go even further away. And then on the boat, there's a giant storm. And where is Jonah? The violent storm arose and the ship was threatening to break. And Jonah had gone below deck where he was asleep. And he's sleeping on the boat and through a sequence of events over the next several verses in Jonah, they throw Jonah overboard. Woo! There he goes. And the storm goes quiet like a miracle. And the same thing happens in the book of Mark. You see, the, Jesus knew the disciples were going to think about this. That night, fireside. And they're going to be thinking about this, making these connections. These Jewish disciples would have known that story in the Old Testament. And they would have started making those connections. Is there a story like this? Yes, there is. And so when Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee in the book of Mark. Well, who lives over the other side? They're not Jewish. It's the Gentile nation that lives on the other side of the sea. So Jesus, disciples just look at Jesus and they say, why would we go over there? And there's so much more you can dig into. So much more you can make those parallels. And if you get into that study, which I did recently, you get into that study of looking at those parallels. But what Jesus wants them to see and what God wants you to see this morning is that Jesus doesn't go the opposite way. Jesus is the better Jonah. Jesus doesn't go the opposite way like Jonah ran. Jesus goes to those people. So number one, the parallels, they get into the boat and they go. Looking at these parallels between Mark and Jonah. Number two, a storm arises, just like in Jonah. Number three, Jesus is asleep, just like Jonah. And number four, everything's calmed. So you see these patterns happening. And, and these disciples would have been fireside that night talking about these connections. But why? Why would Jesus want them to make these connections? Why? Well, it's because when Jonah ran from the people that needed him the most out of fear, you see, Jesus wanted, him to, wanted them to see that Jesus is different. Jesus runs to the people that need him out of love, and he wants them to see that where Jonah left those people, he left the people that he thought God wouldn't approve of, God wouldn't take to. Jesus is saying, no, I run to those people. Not only am I willing to cross the sea to go to the Gentiles, the people that needed me out of love, but in your moment of need, during the storm, hear me, friends. Jesus says, I show up out of love. And this is the depth of those connections that would sink in even more with those disciples. And if you want to go a little further, look at another Old Testament passage. Turn to Psalm 107. We'll start reading in verse 23. Psalm 107 and verse 23 says this, Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds in the deep. Think about this poetry. For He spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. And in their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. And the waves of the sea were hushed. And they were glad when it grew calm. 
and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. In this message called Thankful in the Storm, we can actually give the Lord thanks, as it says in the Psalms, for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. In verse 32, it says, Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. So here's the thing. When bad things happen in life, it doesn't mean that God's given up on you or that he doesn't love you. And folks, we have to believe this to the core of who we are. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell them. And the story doesn't end there. In fact, in verse 40, and I think we read this like a, like a rebuke half the time. And I think maybe we've been reading this wrong. I think we read it kind of like Jesus is, is correcting them and yelling at them. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And we kind of can read it like that. But it's interesting that earlier when he talks to the waves, it says that Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves. But here, it doesn't say that he rebukes the disciples. He says, it says that he just said to them. So I think Jesus is talking to them with a smile on his face and he puts his hand on Peter's shoulder and he says, why are you so afraid, Peter? Do you still have no faith? And what faith is he talking about? Of course, faith in the power of Jesus. And I think Jesus might have finished the sentence like this. Peter, do you still have no faith in my love for you and in my power? He wants them to remember for all time in the worst storms that Jesus will always be there. In the worst storms of life, he will always protect. He will always give. He will always love. He will always be there. It's like, it's like in marriage, right? When I married my wife, Brenda, I, I can't take away all the storms of life for her. But what I can do is be there and walk through them with her. And I believe that we would rather go through the storms with God than without Him. Amen? Frankly, I don't know how the world makes it without Him. And it's so true, even in this storm that we're currently in. Have you lost faith in Jesus' love for you or in His ability to walk with you through the storm? Because there are storms going on in our world right now. We have to do one more thing. And I want us to learn this from the story, this last thing. You see, Jesus, for the disciples, or for the disciples, well, they questioned Jesus' love, and then they questioned Jesus' power. They did do something right. The disciples got something right. Every once in a while, the disciples get something right. Right? Amen? I'm thankful that I can read about the disciples kind of screwing it up and then once in a while getting something right. So what did they do? The, first of all, they questioned his power in, and love in the storm. But you know what? The one thing they didn't do is question who they should run to in the storm. In the moment that they abandoned their oars and everything that they knew how to do, they knew how to sail they knew how to row. They abandoned all of that in the midst of the storm. They knew that they couldn't anymore trust in their own experience as seaworthy fishermen. And they knew to run to Jesus in the storm. They got that right. And friends, that is something that we should learn from the disciples. Because the reality is there is a storm going on in this world right now. Many storms that are going on in this world right now. 
If ever there was a year that was a storm, it is 2020. From COVID isn't going anywhere to racial tensions going on. Whether it's through injustice or different groups and discrimination and what people are saying to each other, that's a storm. And politically, I mean, there seems like it's never been this bad. And it seems like there's just this tension and constant groups that are so isolated and against one another. And there's this storm going on in this world. And I think we need to learn from the disciples that even during this storm, who do you run to? Who do you run to? When you give up what you know and all of your experiences, like they knew how to row, they knew how to sail, but there was a point in the storm where they said, this is too much. We need to run to Jesus. Who do you run to in this storm? Where do you put your hope? In whom do you trust? Who do you trust to take care of your families during this time? Do you trust Jesus over everything and Jesus to put your hope and trust in more than anything else? Friends, during these crazy times, the world needs someone to show them the way. Let me just say this, that no human will ever be the hope of this world. Amen, I'll say it again. No human being will ever be the hope of the world. Only Jesus Christ could be the hope of this world. And the world needs to see that the one great beacon of hope is not a political party or some group or some radical this, but it's Jesus Christ. And He ultimately is the hope and the light of this dark world. I can see the amens. The world needs to see that, folks. And, and what's crazy is, as I pointed out earlier, remember when, they, when, when Jesus and the disciples set out. Remember when he, he set out on the sea. And there were these other boats around Jesus' boat. And it's interesting that they went through the same storm. And they were saved not even knowing what was really going on on Jesus' boat. But Jesus' boat and how the disciples responded were the result were the cause of the calming of the storm. The the boat that the disciples were on, the boat that Jesus was on, that boat was the saving grace for the rest of those boats. And somehow, the disciples, despite their different backgrounds, despite what they might differ in politically or, or socially, despite their different backgrounds, despite even maybe the disciples worldviews and all of that they all united together and ran to Jesus guys we can be that and we can show the world I'm talking to you Jesus followers we can show the world what it looks like to be united in heart and soul As we follow Jesus together. I want to challenge you with this this morning. Jesus followers. Pay attention. Ears up. Eyes on me. Jesus followers. I want to challenge you. We. As the church. Big C. Jesus followers. We can be. The ones. Who lead the way. Out of this pandemic. We can be the ones, church. It's time to take inventory of yourselves, Jesus followers. And even those who are on the outside looking in that that haven't really quite followed Jesus yet fully. We can be the ones. We have an opportunity here, church. Hear me on this. We have an opportunity to be a witness almost like never before in history. We have an opportunity to be a witness to the world to lead the way out of this pandemic. What is our witness going to be like? What is our witness now? Are are the Christians the ones 
Are the church folks the ones that are doing the right thing? Are the Christians the ones that are leading the way out of this pandemic? Are the Christians, is the church leading the way? Or are we arguing just as much as the world is? Are we, are we arguing about issues during this pandemic just as much as the world is? We have an opportunity to witness to the world. When this is all over, when we get through the, the pandemic, when we go two, three years out, and we can look back during this time, is the world going to look at the church and say, you know who had it right? You know who had it right leading the way out of that pandemic? It was those church people. It was the Christians. They're the ones who had it right. They're the ones who went over and above with love and compassion and concern for the entire world. It starts with us, church. We have an opportunity to do the right thing. Be part of the solution that leads the way out of this pandemic. So that in two years or five years, when the world looks back, they can say, oh, it was the church folks, it was those Christians. Or will they say, nah, they were just like us. They were just like us. What's it going to be, Jesus followers? Are we going to stop arguing? There's no question those disciples on that boat had different opinions about things going on in society. But when the big storm came, they unified and they all ran to Jesus. They did the right thing. Are we going to do that, church? My challenge to you is this morning, are we going to be the ones as the church to lead the way? Lead the way. Listen to the data. Listen to the experts. This isn't a time to dig your heels in and say, no, no, no. This is a time to come together as the church and do the right thing so that we can be a witness to a lost world and that they will say, you know who had it right? It was the Christians that had it right. And we can learn from them. We have an opportunity, folks, to make a difference. And as we close this morning, I'm going to pray with all of you who are listening, who are watching online. And I'm going to pray for God's leading. Pray that we know where to turn to and that we would be unified and all run to Jesus together. Listen to his instruction and go be a witness to the world. Pray with me. Father God, in your presence this morning. God, with your people unified this morning in heart, unified, Lord, in our love for you and the world. Might we, Lord, have the courage to be an example to this world. Might we, Lord, have the courage and the humility what an important word in this time. Might we have the humility to put aside our social differences, put aside our experiences. Don't dig our heels in and make a stand for a certain cause or a certain, but make a stand for Jesus Christ. Realizing, God, that you love this world with a love, Lord, that we can hardly even understand. But God, that we would be unified as believers. And God, show love for one another first and foremost. And then take that love that we have for you and for one another and let that light shine into this lost and very dark world. God, would you be with us as we go? God, as we, as we turn off the broadcast, 
as we go back into our families and into our world, Lord. Would, be, would we be a shining example of your love to the world? God, not that we would be like the world in our arguing and our bickering and our division, but God, that we would be part of the solution. We would come together where we would not argue, we would not be part of the division, but God, we can be part of the solution and the coming together. God, help us to have hearts of compassion, hearts of love for you and for others. God, that we might someday look back at this storm that we're all going through, the entire world. That, Lord, we would look back at this storm and the world would say, God knew the whole time. The world would say that, you know who had it right? Those Jesus followers had it right. And that the world will want to know more about the Jesus that we all run to in the storm. Help us to be a witness, Father. And God, as we go about our lives after this service, and we depart, Lord, might we not depart from your presence. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask this morning. Amen and amen. I want to thank you all for tuning in this morning. I want to thank you for being a part of our online community. Remember, we're not meeting here um, for the foreseeable future. Keep an eye on our Facebook page and our website, and we will do our best to communicate and connect with you and let you know all the latest uh, details about when we will be coming back. Don't forget, next week is the first Sunday of Advent. Um, If you've gotten your Advent books, uh, follow along in those devotionals. And we'll have some special surprises for you in the weeks coming leading up to uh, the Christmas time, the Christmas Sunday. So all the Sundays in Advent, uh, you'll be able to follow along uh, with the sermons and know what they're going to be about. It's going to be a special time for our church. Although we're not meeting here in person, uh, it's okay. We can still be very connected. You'll see some surprises coming up. Be connected to us. Follow us online. We love you guys. I love being your pastor. And we will see you all again next week. And as usual, if you need to get a hold of myself or you need to get a hold of someone here at the church, um, email office at gsnaz.com. And uh, we'll be sure and get any messages that you have for us. Comment in the Facebook page, whatever you need to do to get a hold of us. There's many ways. God bless you all. And we'll see you right here next week. We out.